Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. Having finished Ezra and Nehemiah, we are starting a new series in the book of Galatians. If you want to turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. Having said chapter 1, this, this time, um, I'm rather than preach it entirely in order, Galatians covers a lot of topics, and I'm a little more interested in covering it topically than chronologically, since it's not a chronological book. Is sound okay? Are we are we good on sound? Is it that we're not we're okay? Do you remember when the book the da, do you remember the Da Vinci Code? Do you remember when that book came out by Dan Brown and then the movie and everybody was talking about it? And one of the things that astounded me about the Da Vinci Code was that fifty three percent of people surveyed said that they helped the book, they, they felt the book helped them spiritually. I read it, I've seen the movie, the closest I've ever come to getting up, walking out of a movie because I was just bored. There's nothing in that book, there's nothing spiritual in it. The, the, the first page of the book says, A, this is how much the Catholic Church's budget was last year, and B, here's, you know, there is a group called the Priory of Zion, and then there is no group of the Priory of Zion. I mean, they're just the two opening facts, and one of those opening facts is wrong. It's a fictional book. I'm terrified that over half the people found this, this crime thriller. Spirit, what does that say about our spirituality? Um, it's a fictional book. That should scare us. I think we know this. I don't think we like to talk about it. Christianity is shrinking in the US. Now the good news is that globally that's not true. I don't want to end I don't want to entirely be depressive. The church is still expanding throughout the world, but in the US the number of people that go to church is less than it was 5 years ago, less than that was 10 years ago. The churches of the United States are by and large shrinking. Um there are there are we 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 could talk about all the different reasons why this might be social media, um, denominationalism. There could be any number of reasons why. Um, but we, we live in, well, I was told this back in Bible college, this is a post-Christian culture. In fact, for the first time on a recent survey, less than half of the people on the survey called themselves Christian. That's never happened in the history of this country. We, we're, we're not talking about you know the people that check a box and never go to church and have no idea, you know who who anybody in the Bible is, but they still check it. We're at the point that less than fifty percent of the people in the country check the box that they're a Christian. Let alone so many less than that actually go to church, believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died to save the world. It astounds me that, that not everybody who checks the box believes that Jesus is the Son of God who God sent to save mankind from sin. That just astounds me that you can call yourself a Christian and not believe that. But even the people that check the box, it's not 50%, let alone the people who go to church. This is a post-Christian culture. 
And that could be very depressing if we want to look at it one way. I, I look at it as it's kind of like living in the days of Peter and Paul when most of the world wasn't Christian. They didn't even know what Peter and Paul were talking about and they were hungry for the gospel. And that's the good news. This is a great time to be an evangelist because it used to be in this country that people that didn't go to church didn't go to church because they didn't like it. They went and they quit going because they thought church was a waste of their time. Over half of our country has no idea what church is. They don't know what's, what, what it is. They're, they're not predisposed against it because they don't know anything about it. So that makes, in some ways, evangelism a little bit easier. So that's kind of a good news. I, li- I like to look on the upbeat side of this. Um, this is a day when people are spiritually... It used to be that you, the two things you never talked about at the coffee shop was politics and religion. Well, politics is the only thing the internet exists for these days, Twitter and Facebook, and complaining at each other about politics. But then on top of that, people want to talk about religion these days because it's lacking in their lives. You can go into any coffee shop and start up a conversation about faith and almost everybody will join you because people actually are seeking. And, but nobody's giving them the, the right answers. Nobody's giving them the truth. And so Galatians is a book about truth. Uh, It's a letter about freedom and how in freedom and truth there is unity. Paul, we will read, is perplexed and astonished at where the Galatians are at, but that's not in a good way. That's not... That's not the good use of the word astonished. In fact, let's, let's, let's read. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. But, but just by the way, so many of these churches at Rome, Corinth, Thessalonica, are cities, but Galatia is a region. Just point that out. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said, So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Now I want to look at chapter 4, just a few verses in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 8. I said I wasn't going to read through this in order. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? 
You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. <coughs> Ooh, strong language. Eternally condemned. You know the Greek, you, you might know the Greek word. The Greek word there is anathema. I like that word. It's an, it's an ugly word, but anathema is, anathema is to be damned, to go to hell. That's, that's what Paul says. If, if someone is preaching, this is harsh language and maybe very appropriate for today. If someone's preaching a version of this that isn't this, twisting scripture, twisting truth, Paul says, may they go to hell. There is, the world we live in terrifies me that the concept of truth is that it can be subjective. And that is damnable. Truth is not subjective. God's truth, God's truth is real and timeless and you don't get your version and I don't get mine. There is one version and the rest is damning. The true gospel frees us from deception and it unites us in one truth. You know, people ask, I'm deviating from my notes like crazy today. People always get confused about the Church of Christ, the Christian churches, the restoration movement, because we're not a denomination. We don't, we don't, have, uh, we don't have a central office. We don't have a central officer. How do you guys not go like, you know, ping pong balls or marbles just off in every direction? Well, if this is our truth, we stay on subject. And we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about a human telling us how to interpret this book. Scripture, prophecy interprets itself, Peter tells us in Second Peter. We, as long as we follow this book, and as long as our goal is to be as biblical as we can, this is why our churches are generally led by a plurality of elders because it's not one person going on. You know, if I start to go off in the wrong direction, it's the job of the elders to make sure that, Jason, I don't think you're, you've considered this scripture and this scripture and, and, and pull me back. And that's where, if anything, the, the, the way that the restoration movement has been set up, which I think is biblical, I think it's extremely biblical, I think it's the most biblical of the churches I've found, that's why I'm still here, as long as our goal is to be biblical to the objective truth of the Bible, we're fine. It, it's the ones that worry about what other people say that I think have the bigger struggle. Truth is more important now than ever. What the world wants and what the devil wants is not what God wants. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, we, we know that, but will we see that in our everyday lives? What the world wants is for us to conform, to conform to the world. Consider Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
You've all heard the phrase, misery loves company. I think that is a spiritual phrase. Um, People are that way. That's why the gospel has so many enemies today. People are lost, and rather... It's like being on a sinking ship. And rather than get off the sinking ship, having planted their feet and decided they're going down with the ship, they're going to make sure you go down with it. That's their goal. The world's goal is not to live and let live. They tell the church, we should be allowed to do what we want to do. You need to let us do what we want to do. And and if we do that, then their goal is to change us to them. We're not allowed to do what we want to do. They, they should be allowed to live their lives. And I believe in freedom of religion. I don't believe in forced conversion. They should be allowed to live their lives. Just let us live our lives. And then we do, and then they say, now you have to change to conform to us. The world wants us to conform to it. And they cannot live and let live. It's not, a lot, it's not enough to... Uh, even, even us being in this church offends so many people. They want us to agree with them on all points, or we are their enemy. And ironically, they will call us the intolerant ones. And I think that this is in part why Paul was so upset with the Galatians. Having been separated from the world by the gospel, which does that, it pulls us out of the sinful world, they were so quick to want to conform back to the world. And that is a message for today, because so many churches are more worried about being pleasing to the world than being pleasing to God. May that never be this church. We are so desperate to please a world that cannot save us and so quick to turn away from a God, from the only one that can, from our God who can save us. You know, it wasn't... You remember when Miss California lost Miss USA because she was asked about marriage and she said that she believed that marriage is between a husband and a wife and is convinced that that's why she lost. And I, I as, some of the, as at least one of the judges said, yes, that's why she lost. I, I think she's correct in that. The thing that horrified me was the number of so-called Christians that attacked her for being hateful. But what she said is biblical. Hollywood Christians, I think, give Jesus a terrible name. Jesus is not their Lord. He is just an, ex- just an accessory. Yeah. Watch music awards and watch how many rap artists whose lyrics you will never listen to in public thank, thank Jesus for their success when Jesus had nothing to do with the lyrics that they wrote. Jesus is not an accessory. Jesus plus something else, Jesus plus anything else. Jesus doesn't accompany you. He doesn't, you don't get to say, this is who I'm going to be and I'm going to figure out how to fit Jesus into this and back me up. Because if Jesus was your sidekick, then he didn't need to die on the cross. If you're the center of the world and he revolves around you, if Jesus is the Savior, the only Savior of man. No other name under heaven by which men can be saved. If Jesus is the Savior of man, then the Bible is always right, 
And anytime I'm not right with the Bible, I'm the one that's in the wrong. And so sometimes some of the things that the Bible says I read and don't like. And that's okay. I don't have to like it. I just have to follow it. I can, I can complain to God. Well, I mean, that's why I like the prophet Habakkuk so much. If Habakkuk can complain to God and not get struck by lightning, I can do the same. And so I can read things in the Bible and say, I don't really like this. I'm still going to follow it. And I'll probably tell God that I don't like it and probably pray God change my heart because apparently it's not, in, it's not entirely right with you. But as long as I'm obeying the Bible, whether I like it or not, is really not the point. And I think that that's part of the problem. We feel that our emotions matter so much that God's number one job is to make you happy. God's job isn't to make you happy. I do think that we find joy when we follow him. Joy is very different than happiness. God's goal is for you to be sinless. Whether you like your sin or not, and that's the problem. People like their sin, so they think that God should, should support their sinful lifestyle. God's goal is to make you sinless. That may make you miserable, <laughs> getting rid of the sin in your life. And that's okay, it saves you. The world wants us to conform to the world. And a lot of Christians rush to do that. But that's not our job. The devil, now the devil has a different strategy. The devil knows that he's not, the people that are here in church on a Sunday morning, he's probably not going to get them to walk away. He's probably not going to convince you this is a waste of your time, quit coming to church. So he's got a different strategy. And I, and I strongly encourage, it's, it, 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 it's not a long book, but it, it's pretty dense. C.S. Lewis wrote a wonderful book called The Screwtape Letters, and I highly recommend it. it it's dark. C.S. Lewis said, writing the book put him in clinical depression. Um, it, it depressed it because, because the book is from one demon to another on a series of letters on how to ruin Christians. And Lewis says that just messed him up. He, it just sent him into terrible depression. But it's a brilliant book because I think he's onto something. And the strategies that the demons use, I think, are real strategies. And one of the strategies is religion. And he said, and and once the one, the, the 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 demon screw tape writing to his nephew Wormwood, once this Christ, once this man that Wormwood is trying to ruin becomes a Christian. After Screwtape gets over being super angry about it, he says, okay, we got this. He says, we can, we can handle this. Church is fine. He just, we just don't, we, we're good with religion. We just don't like the relationship part. So have him go to church. In fact, have him be legalistic about it. Have it be ritualistic. Go at all the right times. Pray at all the right times. Go through all the motions. In fact, let the motions distract him from what the point is. And that's insidious because I think some people fall into that. I think some people get so into church that they forget why they're doing it. I think, I, I like my games. If you've been into my office, you've seen my board game collections. I, I, I've, I've parts of different game clubs. One of the struggles is when a game quits being fun. There was a, there was a you know, I also like comic books. So, of course, when they came out with a game called Hero Clicks. It was a comic book board game, and of course I threw myself into that the minute that it came out. Little figures of Spider-Man and Iron Man, it's amazing. Um, and we would play in Southern Illinois. We, had, we played on Thursdays. So I moved to Southern Illinois and found out that's when the Hero Clicks League played. So I promptly told my church I'm taking Thursdays off. That's my day off. I would go to the comic book store and I would play the game. And it's supposed to be fun, but I will say that there came that because it was a, a weekly game. 
there did come a point where we would get to arguing about the rules, and I would come home upset at how the game went and having lost and how I lost to a stupid house rule that wasn't part of the rule book. And, blah, blah. and there did have to come that point when you stand back and say, it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. If it's not being fun, haven't we defeated the purpose? Now, church, it's not about the religion. It's about a relationship with God. I think church helps with that. I think Sunday school is great. I think coming to weekly church is good. We're going to start up Sunday night services again in a month or two. Um, Mark's, Mark and Ruth sat home Bible study. I think it's great. I absolutely believe reading your Bible daily is a good thing. And, and certainly prayer multiple times a day is a great thing. And I, and I think serving in common grounds, all these other, I think that they're good. But I will also say that you can go through all those motions and pay so attention to the motions that you forget that the whole point of all of this is to draw us close to Jesus. If you're more worried about hitting the right notes in the hymn book than actually praising God, you've missed the point of why we sing songs. And that's easy to fall into. As someone who sings parts, it's easy to fall into worrying more about the notes than it is about why we're singing. And Satan loves that. Satan loves it when we lose we use the phrase, lose the narrative, lose the, lose the thread. He loves it when we miss the point. One of the things we learn from the Bible, from Galatians, from other books, but Galatians is good about this, is how easy it is to fall into legalism and ritual. It's a continuing problem for the children of Israel that by grace we can make God save us by our own effort. I think the Jewish... Galatians was written about people who left Judaism to become Christians, but their struggles, because Judea, because prior to the coming of Jesus, Jesus, that Judaism, that Jewish faith, was the truth. Jesus comes along and says some of that stuff was proto-truth. Um, you know, Don't eat pork in the Old Testament. We get to the New Testament and we're told, you can eat pork. The point of that law was... Your whole body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Everything that goes into it must be pure. Not just food, even. What we hear, what we, what we read. And that was a tough thing. If you, you know, 2,000 years of following the Old Testament, and then the Jews were told, eh, that, that, that has now been perfected in Jesus. But, but we liked those rituals. We were comfortable with those rituals. They, we knew where we stood, and this takes more thought. And, and ritualism is easy. That's why cults grow so quick. If I told you, um, do X, Y, Z, you're guaranteed to go to heaven. Piece of cake, especially if the X, Y, and Z aren't too difficult. Um, we, we read this morning in my Sunday school class uh, about Samson. We read about the birth of Samson. And his mom was told, don't drink wine while you're pregnant and don't eat anything unclean. That seems pretty basic anyway, right? I mean, the Israelites were supposed to not eat anything unclean already. Don't drink wine while you're pregnant. Doesn't Probably shouldn't drink wine while you're pregnant anyway, right? So, you know, uh, that seems pretty straightforward. And maybe I think there's an insight into, if God has to tell her this, most of Israel probably, based upon how I read the book of Judges, most of Israel was struggling with don't eat anything unclean already. If I told you, as long as you... Read your Bible for five minutes a day and 
don't eat bacon ever again, and you know, go to church twice a month. And, 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 and if you do these three things, you are guaranteed to go to heaven. Piece of cake. You could do that. New Testament's not that easy, is it? New Testament says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and that's a whole lot harder than, than a list of, of rules. So I think that we see why the Jews said, this is harder. We're, we've converted to Christianity, converted, transferred, however you want to phrase it. We've become Christians. But man, the Old Testament, was a little, the Old Testament had some transactional relationships. That's how Andrew phrases it, and he's correct. The more that he says that, the more I see. It was transactional. Do X, Y, and Z, and you're good. It didn't care so much about the, 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 little, the finer nuances of be a good person, and we're not going to tell you what that means. <laughs> um, ritualism is comforting. You know, do the rituals, you're good. You're forgiven. And that's why cults grow. Because cults, every cult, take Heaven's Gate, take all the other ones, David Koresh and Waco, Texas. Take all of those, and it's, it's here's the rituals, X, Y, Z, and we don't care about the stuff between the lines, but Christianity cares about all the stuff between the lines, doesn't it? Christianity cares about when I'm driving down the road and the guy cuts me off in front of me, and I'm alone in my car, Jesus cares, what I just said. <laughs> and cults don't care. Legalism doesn't care, as long as you didn't hit him with, the law doesn't care, right? I mean, that's the whole point of legal. The law doesn't care. David, as the judge, doesn't care if I'm screaming at the guy in front of me, if I'm not being a distracting driver. The judge doesn't care, but Jesus cares. David, as my elder, cares that I'm Christ-like. Jesus cares, but the law doesn't care. People get scared of truth and grace and how those interact together, how God gave it to us. We want it to be based on our efforts. And grace, interestingly, is not based on my efforts. It's based on my heart. Do I want to follow God? We, we can turn church into a cult if we're not careful. In fact, if we're not careful, some of us may... I don't want to, I don't want to accuse anybody of this, and I, don't, and I hope that this isn't true, but I've certainly met some Christians that are borderline cultists in that it's all about the legalism. You know, come to church and look Christian. Look like everybody else. Look, look uniform, wear the uniform, because a uniform is just an outfit that does, that's on the outside, and it's not on the inside. Carry your Bible, talk like a Christian, fit in. I like, I like that this church isn't about image. I don't, think that, I don't think that it is. I think it's very nice to be able to invite people to church, and inevitably somebody says, what should I wear? We don't care a whole lot. Be respectful, and that's, that's sufficient. Um, there are churches that talk about bring your Sunday best, and, then, and what I don't like about those churches, first off, it's not very welcoming to people who don't have Sunday best, and then secondly, it's not their best. Because most of us in the U.S., if we really were going to wear our best, could afford a tux and an evening gown. But the churches that say wear your Sunday best, then wear a tatty old suit, and it's not there. They, they could do better. So they've kind of picked, we're not going to really do our best. We're going to pick something between here and there. And I prefer just kind of where we're at. Be respectful, but let's not make it about appearance. Because there are churches that make it about appearance. It's not what you look like on the outside. I, I don't care if you wear bib overalls. In fact, my previous church, they did. Because they were a very farmer church. I, I don't care if you wear bib overalls. 
what I care about is do you act Christ-like? I don't want it to be, and, and do you have a relationship with God through Jesus? Not are you going through the motions. A relationship with God is, the, is what we're after. The devil knows he can't get us out of the church, so he's going to try to take the relationship out of the church. Um, he wants us, he wants uniformity. He doesn't want metamorphosis, transformation, passion. He wants passionless Christianity. So let's talk about what God wants. God wants transformation. God wants, or, or, or the other word is metamorphosis. So, okay, Adam West. Everybody knows who Adam, somebody doesn't, so somebody, yell, who's Adam West? Thank you. And, and, wait, wait, I'm going to blow your mind. And he's Bruce Wayne. Now you say, well, yeah, of course he's Bruce Wayne. But, but, Bill Bixby. No, Bill Bixby is David Bruce Banner, Bruce David Banner, whatever. In the comics, he's Bruce Banner. In the show, he's David Banner, but that's because one's his middle name. Lou Ferrigno was the Hulk because, and I know that you care about this trivia so much, Bruce Banner weighs 128 pounds, and the Incredible Hulk weighs 1,040 pounds. And while Lou Ferrigno didn't weigh that much, he was certainly a lot bigger than Bill Bixby. And it took two different actors to play that because when Batman, when, when Bruce Wayne turns into Batman, he puts on a uniform. When Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk, he transforms. Incidentally, I, I always love it when science fiction has to come up with the reasons that they've been writing about for decades. And at some point, somebody asked the question, so where did the other 912 pounds come from? Because conservation of matter that just doesn't come from nowhere. So they had to come up with this rule of Pym particles coming from different dimensions and tie it into Ant-Man, who has the same problem when he shrinks. Where's the rest of them go? So if, if, if you wondered. Um, but frankly, doesn't the Incredible Hulk work a little better as just saying it's magic? Drac- Dracula turns into a bat. Where did the rest of Dracula go? It's magic. Ant-Man shrinks. Bruce Banner gets bigger. It's magic. Uh, because, because that's how, that's kind of what, tra- that's the concept of transformation. It's, it's supernatural. It, you can't explain away what the Bible is talking about, about being transformed. Humans can't get rid of their own sin. If we could get rid of our own sin and be transformed into the image of God, if we could do that on our own, we don't need Jesus to die for us. But I can't do it on my own. It takes something supernatural. Let's get rid of the word mer- magic and say miracle. It takes a miracle. I'm a sinner without the, the miracle that Jesus died to transform me. Um, a false gospel wants you to put on a suit. Do X, Y, and Z, call it quits. But the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ says you are a new creation. You are being transformed into the image of Christ. You know, I think that the word image I don't like the word image. You're being transformed into the image of Christ. I think it's a terrible translation. The Greek word for image there is morphe. You know the word morph, metamorphosis, butterflies. Go from caterpillar to butterfly, and they don't just change on the outside. That, that, that is a transformation. Metamorphosis is, is more than just put on a suit. We sing in church about the intimacy 
that we should have with God. We sing about it, but do we have it? Or do we just go through the words? Do we sing about a relationship with God, or do we actually want the relationship with God? Do we talk about it, or do we do it? Fuzzy emotions is not our goal. The word of God, and I don't, I don't mean just preaching, I mean the Bible. The word of God brings people to God. The power of the Bible and the power of conviction of sin. So many people, so many people want ju- that, that bare minimum, just enough, minimal coverage. What's the minimum amount of God that I can have? Minimum amount of church, minimum amount I, could, I should put in the offering plate, and they get frustrated when there is no minimal, there's no number given. What's the minimal amount I can do to get close to God and go to heaven but sacrifice the least? Jesus is more of a mascot than a relationship at that point. People want the easy way out, and a relationship is not the easy way out. We know, we know that about true relationship. And, and more than ever, we need to hear this. Um, Friday night, I stayed up way too late. I have an excuse that wasn't comic books. I was getting ready to go to bed, and, and I do have Facebook. I only, I only use it to talk about science fiction and comic books, so don't friend me unless you really want to. I, 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 it's, not, it's just for science fiction. Um, somebody on my timeline posted that they were getting ready to take their own life. They loaded up the insulin needle with a month's supply or whatever it was. I don't know how that works. Maybe they had multiple. I don't, I don't know. Um, so I tried talking to this person, didn't get an answer. The Internet's amazing. Tracked down a cell phone. Uh, text, texted this guy. Um, I don't. As I was looking through his timeline, I remember thinking, I don't know how I know this person. We have one friend in common, and I don't know who she is. It's got to be one of those friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a, of a friend things. Um, and I was reminded in not knowing this guy, that's our world. Our world is so distant. Don't get me wrong. It's neat to know this, talk with this guy now in Cal- California and, and check on him, and I'm grateful. But so many of my friends, I don't, friends, I don't know. I know them online. And, and we're transferring that to the way that we work in, in, in the real world because the internet's not real. And we're keeping people at a distance, and there's no accountability, and there's no relationship, and then we do that to Jesus, and we don't want a a Twitter... I've got a lot of Twitter friends. We don't want a Twitter relationship with Jesus or a Facebook relationship with Jesus. I want to know Jesus even better than I know my wife, biblically. I I, I want to know him in in an inside-out level that even even Pamela doesn't, doesn't know me. And I want to be that vulnerable and open to him and, and I don't want to keep them at a distance, but it's so easy in 2023 to fall back into that. Um, I, it's so easy to keep them at a distance and not be transformed. So many people have no intention of being transformed like him. They want heaven, but they don't want the transformation. The problem is that you cannot stand before God without being transformed into his likeness. Heaven, the presence of God. Again, it's not about pearly gates and mansions. It's about being in the presence of God, being with God. To be with God, we've got to get rid of sin and be transformed into the image of Christ. Can't do it on our own. It's, it's a miracle. We're not part of a cult here. You have to have your relationship with Christ. Mine won't cut it. 
Anybody else's here won't. You have to have your own relationship with Christ. I can't get you to heaven. Um, faith, grace, the gospel, baptism, they're all, they're all essential, but so is a relationship. You've got to have a relationship with God. Do you know him? Our hymn of decision, 336, I'm assuming. Uh, there's a great day coming. So I've heard, I don't know if this is true, I've heard that the way that the FBI teaches their agents to recognize counterfeit money is just put them in a room for a couple of weeks and have them count the real thing and eventually slip in a counterfeit bill and they know it's counterfeit because it doesn't feel right. They may not be able to describe it, but they feel it. I, I'll tell you, I, I find that with the Bible. If you read, I'm, con, I'm convinced Paul did not write Hebrews. I don't know who wrote Hebrews. I'm convinced it's not Paul. Because if you start, if you read Romans one day and 1 Corinthians the next day, just read through the letters of Paul. When you get to Hebrews, I think it feels different. More so we see that with the so-called false gospels. Gospel of Mary, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Judas. I've read those, and they're not my Jesus. I recognize recognize my Jesus. And so when people say, oh, there were books of the Bible that were left out, no, no, there weren't. They're a different, they're they're fiction. They're they're science fiction. They're, They're not the real thing. I know the real Jesus, and I want to know him even better. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, we read in verse 3, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. These are the basics. That's what we're called to believe. Do we want to know the real God, the real Jesus? Don't miss out on his grace. It's easy to miss the point, no matter how long you've been coming to church, it's easy to miss the point of a relationship, but that's what we're after. We want a relationship with God, and I will say, and then if we have that real relationship with God and we love him, obedience follows. If we do obedience without the relationship, we have legalism. If it's a true relationship with God, obedience comes along, and it's a joy. That's the call. If If you haven't chosen to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to talk with you. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.